Hello and welcome to episode 76 of Fish Across the Ponds, Marlin's UK podcast. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Delighted to welcome a debutante onto the podcast. It's the star of the Andy Slater show. And of course, it's Andy Slater. How are we? Man, it took me to episode 76 to get on your show, man. My gosh. Wow. <laughs> Something's gone wrong. <laughs> but I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for uh, having me. I'm looking forward to having a great conversation. Yeah, me too. This is going to be a lot of fun. And uh, you're right. We've, I guess, left this a little bit too long. But hey, ho, we're here now. I'm looking forward to it. Um, for the listeners, and this is perhaps more so the UK guys would be my sense. But for the listeners that, that, that maybe don't know the Andy Slater show, um, you know, just how would you describe the show in general and kind of what's it all about just to kind of set the scene in terms of the, the, the type of stuff you get involved in? So the number one thing, Peter, I would say is it's very informational. It's very factual. It's very uh, honest, um, breaking news, uh, things you're not going to hear in other places, um, getting scoops, getting that information. Uh, so when you're driving around or wherever you're tuned into my program, you don't have to be looking at your phone. We don't want anyone texting and driving. Although I'll give people some information, Peter, and they'll be like, oh my gosh, I got to tell a friend, you know, Andy just said this. Um, but really it's just to take you away from having to uh, Google things and go on Twitter and look things up and just get that news information the, the minute it, it comes out. And that's really what I'm, I'm all about. And uh, digging, you know, doing a, a lot of journalistic work and not just uh, reading stories and passing on other people's information. Uh, but doing doing the work myself, I enjoy it. Um, and, and one of the main reasons I enjoy it, Peter, is because I just love giving people information. Who doesn't love information and good information um, diving into mainly sports, and including yeah. the Marlins? So really, that's what my, my show is about. And then, you know, I'll throw in some food talk and uh, women talk and gambling talk and you know, it's just, it, it's a fun, it's a fun, honest, informational uh, program uh, that's also entertaining. So I guess that would be the best way to summarize it. Perfect. I, I was listening back to um, a, a, an older episode. It was from, I think, earlier in October. Um, but it was, I, you summarized it well, because at one point you deviate off to start doing a live um, horse race, I guess, that just fires up in yes. the middle of it. And this horse... <laughs> But you end up tipping Nick Nick Boom ends up coming on and winning. So um, you know that was <laughs> you know where where else can you get? Uh, I love talking about all sports, and I don't think you could tune into a a radio show, Peter, and get a live horse race. And I don't do it just for me. I do it for the audience. You know, I I say okay, I'm going to pick this horse. If this horse wins, someone in the audience is going to uh, win something. And it's not just something you get some money to put into a, a wagering account and you can turn that money into thousands and thousands of dollars. So it just draws you in. It's it just uh, some of my unique uh, things that I do on the program. Uh, like the one that you turned that, that you tuned into, you know, having a live horse race on the air. And mm -hmm. thankfully you listened to the right show, Peter, because I did win that one. Usually I don't. Well, there you go. I mean, that's, that's gambling, that's horse racing for you. So um, you don't right. get them all. That, that's for sure. But it was, it was fun for me. It felt like it was the right name. Like I'm an, I love a good name as well. I like to shout a good name during a horse race, you know. And the Nick Nick Boom to me felt it felt like the right name. So it, it's funny because I'll go to the I'll go to the track or I'll, I'll wager from home and uh, spe specifically though at the track, you know, pre pandemic when everybody was all together and everything, 
I would go there and I have the uh, racing form in my hand and I'm studying all this and then I'm with someone. Oh, you know, I like that number. Or I like that name. And here I am handicapping this, spending like 30, 40 minutes. And I have a friend who just sees a name like you probably. And yeah. you, you just pick that name and then you're winning and I'm losing. I'm like, what's going on here? There you go. There you go. It's, uh, I mean, that's how my wife operates too with, with horse racing. It's, um, you know, <laughs> what's, what's the best color? But anyway, Let's not deviate into uh, horse racing too far. I fear. Right. <laughs> I fear we may not be able to get back from that one. Um, and just just one other follow up. So I mean, in terms of the show itself, it's a week. It's a weekday show. Every weekday, two hours. Uh, two hours ago, right? Three p.m. Five p.m. Um, right. Three p.m. Five p.m. on the East Coast, uh, Monday through Friday, and on my Twitter feed at Andy Slater, uh, I like to uh, bring people the scoop when I have it and. A lot of times it's not between uh, three and five. It could be two in the morning. You know, it could be it could be any time. So uh, that that's just what I love to do. And two hours uh, during the week, uh, having an audience to talk to, that's just part of it. Yeah. And, and one final one. How did you come up with the name, The Andy Slater Show? I mean, a lot of thought went into that one, right? <laughs> a lot, man. It took me <laughs> it took me a few months. I'm like, you know, what, what should I do? And then in the end, I'm like, you know what? My name is Andy Slater. Let's just go with the Andy Slater show. So, Love it. Uh, yeah, lots of thought went into that one. <laughs> Love it. But how, how good's it been, though? You know, last couple of months, you've, you know, the Heat had a great run. The Marlins had a great run. Like, how how fun has it been to be able to be reporting on, you know, Florida sports and, you know, teams are doing well. And obviously the Dolphins are, are showing nice signs, too. So. I'll tell you what, Peter, it would have been nice just talking about sports, even if our teams in South Florida, uh, specifically Miami, weren't good, uh, mm. just because we had so much time without sports. And we were just waiting for those sports to come back. And then the fact that they come back and our teams are doing so well, and specifically, I mean, you look at the Heat, NBA Finals, win two games in the NBA Finals from the Lakers, who even expected them to be there. And then the Marlins. Like you think about major storylines in Miami, we're having a debate, not just presidential debates, but Peter, we're having debates. What's a bigger story? Because they're both unbelievable. The yeah. Miami Heat are in the NBA finals and the Marlins made the postseason after everything that they had been through, you know, losing 18 guys at the same time and not only making the postseason, but beating the Cubs in the first round at Wrigley Field, whether there's fans there or not, you're still, you're at Wrigley Field, you're the underdog, and you don't even let the Cubs win uh, one game in that short series. So it's really quite amazing. Uh, just, I'm glad that we got sports back in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the fact that the Miami teams were doing so well uh, caught us by surprise. And it's just, it, it's a time that I wish we could. Uh, obviously not with the pandemic we don't want that but i wish we could have these kind of conversations every single year where the marlins are are doing well and they're in contention uh, whether they're going to win the world series or not just to have that team in contention and um all these sports going on at the same time it, it was just we deserved it we, yeah. we really deserved it as sports fans after uh, what we had been through as sports fans not being able to watch anything on tv except you know what's going on with COVID nineteen? Yeah, exactly. That was that was not great, and I guess coupled with that too was all of the the financial wranglings of trying to get like this twenty twenty right. MLB season anyway. Um, 
over the line. It, it wasn't a good look, seemingly. Um, you know, I, there was a lot of a lot of debate on that that topic. But anyway, hats off to the guys, the players, and, and everyone that made it happen. You know, they could have very easily just put the, the season in the bin. And I think when we look back on it, and from a Marlins perspective, it was it was a crazy, crazy year. But when we look back on it, you know, we we ended up having a full postseason, expanded postseason, and a full one, right? And a World Series uh, champion. So in many ways, that's a success. However, the one thing we do, you know, we do need to mention is, you know, what's going on in Game Six of the World Series? Justin Turner, this uh, COVID situation breaking out. Um, you know, he's he's hooked in the sixth inning or whatever it was that he's he's tested positive. Um, he's then comes back onto the field and celebrating with everyone, taking pictures, hugging, kissing his wife, doing everything. I mean, in many ways for me, it was kind of the perfect finale of the MLB 2020 season, if that's the right term. But- in, in, a, in a weird kind of way, yes. It, it, it resembled 2020 exactly for what it's been, and it, it can't – I mean, we can't get to January 1st quick enough. And I don't even know if 2021 is going to be that much no. of a difference. But it, it really reminded me – you know, you take a look at what Major League Baseball did and, and how this all started. You know, the, the first outbreak was with the Marlins. And through the entire pandemic, uh, starting, I guess you could say, in March, when sports came to a halt, I was very focused on, regardless of who you like and, and, and all that in the political field, I was focused on news conferences, what the politicians, the decision makers really uh, were saying, and the protocols. And it surprised me so much when the Marlins had their first case. It was right before the season opener. Mm-hmm. when they were going to Philadelphia. And I believe it was Alfaro. He yeah. was the uh, first one at that time, because there had been previous ones. Uh, but at that time, before the season started, he contracted or tested positive for COVID-19. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Here's a guy, Peter, who was just around the entire team, right? Mm-hmm. And they go to Philadelphia. They play their first game. I never thought that was a good idea to begin with. Just going off of what you should do in the protocol world. So they go out there, they play their first game. And then we find out it was a day or two later, I believe on that Sunday, that three more Marlins had tested positive for COVID-19. And Peter, they went out there again and just played ball. The players wanted to play. And, you know, the players always want to play. But protocol-wise, like, what in the world are you doing? It's not just on the field or in the dugout. It's being in the clubhouse. And then it blew up to 18 players plus Mm -hmm. some coaches. And Major League Baseball, um, eventually they learned from what happened in the Marlins situation and then the Cardinals situation. And uh, they put together that postseason bubble, expanded a postseason, which was great too. I mean, it was exciting. And uh, then, yeah, like you said, it, it ends in that finale there with... Justin Turner and the positive test in game six. And look, the Dodgers win it, um, but it's got to come across your mind. What if they didn't win that game, right? Like mm-hmm. game seven, what would have happened with it? Would Major League Baseball just have said, Peter, you know what? Season's over tomorrow. We got one game left. Just just play this game. Play through it. But as far, play on. Right. But as far as what you say with Justin Turner and 
going out there and taking the team photo and taking the mask off. Mm-hmm. The, the, only, the only thing, and I don't know this for a fact, but the only thing I could say is, you know, there's a lot of people, I don't know how it is where you are, but I know how it is in the U.S. And there's a lot of people who just believe, you know what, this whole thing is a hoax. Um, this isn't a big deal. And, you know, you can believe whatever you want, whatever your opinion is. And maybe their their guys are just like, hey, whatever, like whatever happens, happens. So uh, it, it's tough to assume that's not the case because if you test positive for COVID-19 and then you go out there and take a team photo and take your mask off and you're around the guys, I mean, everybody has to know like you're you're at risk there. Yeah, to me, it just, it looks selfish and reckless are the two words I think of, you know, that knowing that he's tested positive, knowing that he should, the protocol would, I don't know where the protocol ended up, but let's say it was, you have to go and isolate for two weeks, 10 days. I don't know the number, but you know, you immediately need to try and get out of direct contact with everyone to go out and to be jumping around hugging and having a team photo to me was, was purely selfish because Hey, I get it. He wants to be there. You know, it's been a big part of that team for the last few years. They climbed the top of the mountain and made it, but pure selfishness there from, from Justin Turner. Or like you said, he's one of those guys that goes, it's a hoax or I really just don't give a shit. One of the two. I don't know. You, so. you know what, though? I mean, the reckless part, you're you're 100% right. It's reckless. Would it, d- Did it make a difference? Now, the reason I asked that question, did it make a difference? He tests, he gets his test result in, I believe it was the seventh inning there of game six. So before that result, you know, he's already been around for the yeah. last couple of days, um, all of his teammates. So they might have already been in a situation where they contracted it from him, not just because of that team photo, but still you're very close together. And if you haven't been that close to one of your teammates and now you are, you're still putting them at, at more of a risk situation. So I think reckless is, is the right word, like you said, to sum yeah. it up. Well, and when we look back at the Marlins situation, you know, you, you talked about earlier too, you know, what, what do you think went wrong with the Marlins? And equally, how much blame do you actually apportion to the Marlins? Because like, there's now this stigma attached to the Marlins, seemingly like in, in, in across all sports. You know, everyone points to you have a team outbreak. Everyone thinks of the Marlins, but you know, how much blame should be given to those guys? And and, and what do you think actually went wrong? Was it just the protocols were, were wonky at the time? Yeah, I I think if if you're gonna pass around blame, I mean, it's it's hard it's difficult to, to blame someone because this is a virus. And at the time, and, and right now, we still don't know every single thing. You know, we hear what health experts say, but we really don't know every single thing about this virus. If there's gonna be any blame passed around, it should be to Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Because like I said a little while ago, players wanna play. You know, they, they wanna go out there, they wanna play. That's what that's what they do. That's what's in their, in their blood. Mm-hmm. Major League Baseball, how do you, uh, how does the commissioner, Rod Manfred, who I thought did a terrible job with this, Mm -hmm. how does he not step in? How does he not have his health experts and say, well, wait a minute, you know, we just had a guy test positive for COVID-19 on the Marlins. We're going to let him play. We had three more test positive. We're going to let them play. How does that happen? And now you see, and we see it in the NFL Um, We've seen it really in any situation where if you have someone you've been in close contact with and they tested positive, you got to take some time off and you got to continue to retest for like a week. So you look back at it and you're like, 
what the heck were they doing allowing this to to go on? The only thing I will say that I think we've learned a lot more about this is I, I think, and I'm not a health expert, I don't pretend to, to, to be one, um, but if you look at the situations and you'll see that they were not transferred from team to team. So the only thing that would tell me is that being in close quarters for an extended period of time with somebody is when you're really going to have that risk. Because even in the NFL, um, I don't remember who it was, but I believe someone on the Patriots uh, may have been Cam Newton, but whoever it was, they were right next to, I want to say Patrick Mahomes. And they showed the picture and they're like, oh, well, wait a minute here. Like now, you know, they're talking to Mahomes for a minute and it's an, it's an outdoor area, but everything was fine with Patrick Mahomes. So I think if anything, it just kind of tells us, at least in the sports world, like when you're just in close quarters with somebody and around them for an extended period of time and you don't have all these protocols in place, that's when you're probably at the highest risk. Yeah. Yeah, true. You know, MLB was learning as it went on. And I think the one thing right. that, you know, they did, they, they flexed it. I think that was the one positive. I mean, not to say, you know, they, they, they could have been tighter. It could have been a better plan straight off the bat, but they, they were able to flex it throughout, which I think helped <laughs> and got us to a point where we, we had a world series and some of the issues kind of reduced as, as things went on, let's say. So, you know, it's not easy for anyone, this situation, but I, I just wanted to get your take as well on you know, the Marlin situation. You know, you've already mentioned, you know, you're, you're a journalist, a professional reporter, a media guy. What was your view on like, how the Marlins COVID situation was actually reported um, at that time you know, from a national perspective? Um, you know, and equally from your perspective, the news breaks like what happens next? What what are you doing at that stage? Just trying to get a bit of an insight into you know how your mind works and and, and what what your phone line is going to be doing at that point once this kind of story starts to evolve. Yeah. So as far as the national aspect goes, it goes back to to the blame that we were talking about, mm-hmm. and I think I think the Marlins were wrongly blamed. There was a lot of blame, like oh the Marlins are screwing up the whole baseball season, and I, I don't again I just don't think it's I mean, could they have done things better? Sure, but did they know to do things better? You know, and, and the protocols that got passed down as the weeks and months went on, Major League Baseball adjusted. So it wasn't like those protocols were in place and the Marlins were the ones that like went out and screwed them up. Um, so I, I thought that they took, they took blame nationally that they, that they shouldn't have. And this is a virus. Uh, I mean, we don't know everything about the virus, like I was saying, and, and how it can be passed along totally. So it's it's hard to blame somebody uh, for that. Now, as far as the reporting goes, it's a really good question. And I think during the whole baseball season, we saw this and we saw it different with, with different reporters. When you find out who has the virus, it was touchy. People were like, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to report who has the virus. It's going to be, you know, my policy uh, not to report it. And I think there was one circumstance, I don't remember who it was, but 
somebody reported someone had the virus on the Marlins, and I don't think the player's family member uh, even knew yet. So it was it was very touchy. Um, mm-hmm. I think though, Peter, from from my perspective as as being a reporter, and there there's you know everybody's so different in in their style of reporting. Um, I look at mine, obviously confirming something many times. And then I look at how big the story is, um, how important it is, and also what you really need to check. And a Marlins player contracting the virus and reporting it, uh, you never want anyone to to have the virus. But I didn't think it it would be such a big thing where uh, I would hop on Twitter and be like, hey, you know, here's a scoop. Uh, Miguel Rojas has COVID-19. If we're talking about somebody who is some like uh, national star or, you know, even President Trump, you know, and you get the scoop on that, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a virus. Uh, so, I mean, we're not talking about the person died. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of people have died from this, but, you know, just contracting COVID-19, you, you just have to measure. You really have to measure about who who you're talking about. So, Peter, with with reporting and, and the virus and, and the teams, you know, I, I never really got into that. I knew some people that, that came down with it, but I just felt like, hey, there's it's a virus. We know people are getting it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the numbers worldwide. People are going to get it. And at the same time, this isn't something that, at least I feel like you should be ashamed um, if you get the virus. Like you're not, you're not trying to get it. It's not something that you should be ashamed of. Like, oh, you know, I don't want to tell anybody because I have it. Like there, you know, if you if you contract it, unfortunately, I just I don't see why you should be ashamed for for testing positive for it. You know, hopefully yeah. you get better and and you move on. Exactly. Um, just just on the I guess one of the the positive sides, and I, and I can this is close to my heart, and this is a definitely a positive. And I think it is for you also or was or has been is the way uh, the media have, have had access to. Um, players and managers through the season and via the Zoom, the Zoom room, let's say the Marlin Zoom room. Um, that's where we first met, I guess. And um, yeah. you know, from my perspective, it's something. It was an opportunity that you, I would never get. You know, being based in the UK, it's just it's impossible, right? You know, um, to 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 be able to do and and talk to the guys in that way is just in a normal season would be impossible. But from your perspective. Ha- did it help? Did it hinder? Was it a positive thing for you? I guess it would be because of your kind of daily commitments in general anyway, right? I think, Peter, that Zoom news conferences should stay forever. Oh, Look, there's man. a lot of things. There's a lot of things during this pandemic, um, which again, we we wish never happened. But there's a lot of things that come from this that we realize, some good, some bad, uh, that we realize, hey, you know what? We could do without this. Um, this is a great addition. Uh, there's a lot of things we realize. Uh, some people may like it. Some people may not. I mean, you may work for a company and and you've been traveling somewhere every single weekend, getting a free trip. And, and now your boss says, you know what, Zoom, we could just do this. And you're like, oh my gosh, I hate my job now. But <laughs> as far as the Zoom press conferences with the Marlins and and with any team, the reason, Peter, I think this should stay forever is because as a journalist, as a reporter, whether you're in another country or you're five miles from the ballpark, it gives the journalist the opportunity to ask a question 
even if they're watching the game on television. You know, I, I can't, I guess I could, but I'm not going to every single Marlins game. You know, we're, we're talking about 81 home games mm-hmm. in a regular year. I, I cannot, I cannot go to 81 home games. I'm not a beat reporter. I'm a talk show host. And I talk about the Marlins almost every single day. You know, they're, they're a part of Miami. So there's a lot of times, Peter, where after a game, I will be like, gosh, you know, I wish I could ask Mattingly this. I wish I could ask the starting pitcher this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, something happened in this game. And then I would go on air the next day and talk about it. But the virtual way of doing these press conferences now, it gives me that opportunity. It gives you that opportunity uh, to jump in that room. And, and it, makes, it makes you, it makes me, it makes every reporter uh, better with the information that they're providing to, because this isn't just about us. This is about our audiences. Mm-hmm. The audience is going to get better information with better answers because we're going to be able to ask those questions without being at the ballpark. So I think these, I think this needs to stay. And I don't know if it will, but uh, I hope it does. Yeah, well, I do too, for sure. And um, I hope, uh, hope the Marlins invite me back for uh, for 2021, if that's the case, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. One. Give you a virtual uh, credential. There you go. There you go. That'd be that'd be sweet. Um, when when you're going into them, uh, you know the, the calls and whatever. Are you are you you know what what kind of approach are you thinking? Are you, are you trying to be pointed? You know, I know each each you know each and every one of us are different styles and approaches. But you know, what's your kind of approach in in those situations uh, to try and get the information you're looking for? Look, if there's something that happens in a game that I have a, a question about, I'll go to raise my hand uh, immediately. And uh, when I'm called upon, I'll, I'll ask, let's just say, Dom Mattingly that question. But there's a lot of time. I'm not one that's just going to say, okay, I need to ask a question just to ask a question, mm-hmm. only if I really need to know something. And uh, there's a lot of times, Peter, where um, I won't have a question going into the news conference, but then Mattingly uh, or a player will say something. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, that was very interesting. Now I have a follow-up question. So sometimes there could be something that happens in a game, a managerial decision, maybe something an umpire said, uh, any kind of call on the field, whatever it may be where I, I want to know about it. So I'll go in with that mentality. And then there's some times where it'll be because of what was said during the news conference. And then there's other times where I'm just taking the information in. Um, and, and I'm not asking a question and, and that's fine. Just, just as long as I have the information that I need to provide to my audience, either that day or the following one. Yeah. Great. Well, listen, let's, let's kind of have a, a little look ahead on the Marlins themselves um, to 2021 and the winter activity. Um, World series. But, oh, there we go. There we go. There's a slate of scoop, you know, straight up. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, that would be that would be excellent, uh, no doubt. I mean, it'd be be wild if if that was to happen. I mean, that's the ultimate goal, right? I mean, the the thing is, when I look at this team, Derek Jeter, um, the progress has been impressive. I think that's the thing. The, the strategy was like was was laid out. Um, you know, it's trended in the right direction. It's clear. And the, the team is young, fun, hungry. Uh, it's going to be exciting going into 2021, no doubt. There's, 
you know, the, the question to you though, Andy, is what do you see being the key priorities or, or areas that, that you think the Marlins need to address going into the, the next season? Well, I'll tell you what, the, the number one thing that I like is that they just locked up uh, Starling Marte mm -hmm. for 2021. Um, yeah. I think he's a very good ball player. Um, we've watched him for years. We saw what he brought to the Marlins. Unfortunately, he got injured. Um, maybe it would have been a different series. I don't know. But um, that, that was a key. And I think that that's very, very good uh, in 2021 for this Marlins team. Yeah. The other key, Peter, is because of the outbreak with the team, we were able to see so many of the young players uh, before we probably would have seen them if there was no COVID-19 outbreak. So I think that helps the organization as far as the next year or two moving forward, kind of knowing a little bit more about what they have. Um, and in general, I mean, this team this year, let, let's be real about it, right? I mean, it was exciting because they were they were in contention and they wound up making the postseason. But at the same time, Peter, you know, being real about it, this team wasn't 10 games over 500. They weren't five or six games over uh, 500. Uh, they made it in um, and they had the same opportunity just like everybody else. And they did very well. It's not to take anything away from them, but as a Marlins fan, you get it, you get a bit more excited mm -hmm. uh, because it, it could have been a 60 game season where they were 15 under and it, it would have been horrific, right? Especially with everything that they went through. Um, but as a Marlins fan, you get excited about the team moving forward. You see some bright spots. You hope that they build on that. Uh, they see that they can get to the postseason, at least in a in a 60-game year. And you just try to build off that. But you, you also got to be realistic. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't go into 2021. And we'll see what happens about an expanded postseason. Uh, but you can't go into 2021 thinking, hey, you know, we're, we're like a legit team now. And, you know, we're... Uh, not a favorite, but we should be in that postseason. You you really got to take a realistic uh, look at it because if you don't, then 2021 comes and you could be like, oh my gosh, you know what in the world happened here? This is going to take a while. Um, people wanted to judge Jeter's plan right away. And there's no reason for it. There's no reason to say two years ago or even a year ago, like, hey, Jeter's plan is working. It's a great plan. Jeter's plan sucks. It's a terrible plan. You're not going to know about that plan for probably another two years. Mm -hmm. uh, for a plan to, to work, you got to see it uh, come to fruition. So I think in 2021, we'll learn a little bit more. Um, in 2022, we'll have learned a lot more. And from a realistic timeline, Peter, I would say by 2023, and I know that sounds like a lot, but we're talking about three more seasons. I think by that time, uh, another three years, we'll be able to say, hey, you know what? This worked or this didn't. Uh, we'll see in that, and maybe it'll be sooner, but I think not to set a deadline, but I think you got to have a pretty good idea by 2023 if this is a team that is going to produce for years to come, or this is a team where, okay, they had a plan, but it really didn't work. And in the long run, the most important thing, because Marlins fans know this, 
you can develop that young talent like the Marlins are. And they're doing a really good job at that. You know, some guys have been great. And at the same time, some you you wonder, okay, maybe they're not as good as we thought they were. But they're developing that talent. And, and the one thing a Marlins fan knows is, okay, if this talent turns out to be really good, are we going to be able to keep them? Mm-hmm. And that all comes down to financials. Uh, and we've seen it so many uh, times. People year after year have looked at the Marlins as like uh, a team, a feeder team for other teams in Major League Baseball. And I think a lot comes with that, you know, a TV deal, uh, people being at the stadium, uh, naming rights on the stadium. Uh, there's just a lot that that goes into that. And it's just so far down the line. It, it's not worth getting into right now. You just got to hope. You got to hope, Peter, that that these players pan out and you could put together a, a roster of young guys who are doing really, really well. And in the end, you're able to keep, I mean, not all of them, but you're able to keep a, a lot of them and have success for, I mean, what, realistically, what, what would be successful uh, for a Marlins fan? Uh, we're not talking about like, oh, we want our team to be successful for 10 to 15 straight years and have a dynasty. I mean, sure, that would be great. But realistically, you look at baseball and without spending $300 million a year, it's, it's hard it's hard to do that. So, yeah. hey, I think if, if the Marlins could be legit and, and be postseason contenders for a good uh, five-year period, five, six years, like, I'll, I'll take that. I yep. think, I think that's too. fine. Yeah. yeah. Me too. So, I'm good with that. One guy who won't be steering the ship, though, um, or involved in steering the ship, let's say, is Michael Hill, who yeah. contract expired, wasn't extended, um, surprised at that move you know not at all <laughs> okay okay I, i'm really uh, mike's a great guy um I, i'm not surprised at that move and i don't think michael hill was surprised at that move Derek jeter uh, maybe not publicly through words but Derek jeter has made it clear with the moves that he's made that he wants his people in place and michael hill wasn't one of his guys maybe they worked okay together uh, maybe they were cordial with each other, but he wasn't one of the guys that is like part of Jeter's uh, regime. He was part of the uh, old regime. Mm-hmm. And when you take a look at the old regime, uh, David Sampson and, you know, Jeffrey Loria, those two, uh, Jeter wanted to be so far away from that. Um, I think the only surprise, if any surprise with Michael Hill, is that he was there all the way to the end of his contract. Mm-hmm. Because you, you look at everything that Jeter did to, to make the Marlins so different, changing the logo, changing the colors, uh, changing everything with the stadium, just everything about this team has changed. So I'm not surprised at all that Michael Hill uh, isn't coming back. Uh, Michael Hill is definitely not surprised he's not coming back. Um, the only surprise there, and I think Michael Hill would probably tell you this himself, uh, maybe he'll be on episode 77, mm-hmm. um, Michael Hill would be, hey, I'm surprised that I, I was here all the way to the end of my contract. <laughs> I think that's what he would probably tell you. If, if you gave him from, from, uh, some truth serum, I think that's uh, what he would tell you. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be sure to ask him. It may be 77, maybe 87, maybe 107. <laughs> we'll see. But I'm going to work hard on that. I think, um, think it would be fun to have Mike Hill unfiltered um, 
just looking back <laughs> on on his time. Let's see, let's see if we can make that happen. I think I think the listeners would like that too. So yeah, he's a he's a great he's a great guy. I mean, I, I've seen him you know at the ballpark many times, uh, mm-hmm. even out at restaurants sometimes, and just a genuine uh, good good dude. And he 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 did so much. I mean, I don't know every single detail about the moves and whose decisions it was, but you just look back at this, this year for the Marlins and everything that they had to go through. They, at one point signed somebody uh, from the constellation energy league. And I had to Google that. I had to read like, is this real? Like the constellation energy league. It's like a four team league that was developed this year in Texas Roger Clemens was one of the managers and like I had heard nothing about this at all and I'm looking at these rosters I'm like wow I mean so when you're signing someone from the Constellation Energy League uh, you're signing guys that I think were like UPS drivers two weeks uh, before they were putting on a Marlins uniform they were in a brown uniform Um, it's it's a it's a lot of work and in the end it did work because the Marlins made the postseason and not only did they make the postseason, they swept the Cubs in the first round. And, mm-hmm. and I hope the expanded postseason, I hope it continues. Um, I think it, it brings more excitement. The only thing that I don't like about it, Peter, is I don't like three best of three in the first round. It, it's just, it's too short. And, you know, you go out there like with the Yankees, for instance, they won their first round matchup, but you go out there with Garrett Cole, your huge signing in the offseason. If Garrett Cole goes out there in the first game and, hey, everyone's got a bad game every now and then. If he goes out there and he throws a stinker, mm. I mean, geez, like you just had the be- – let's just say like you have the best regular season record. Uh, and and then the next thing you know, you're gone in a three-game series. Yeah. Seven-game series, the best team's going to win. Yeah. Um, three-game series, I-, I don't know if you could really say that. So I – I'm all for the expanded postseason. Um, I just, I hope that they'll be able to make that first round if they keep it uh, more than three games. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see, I mean, this is something that's been debated quite a bit. You know, some people like it, some don't. Um, But, you know, if you're going to expand out the postseason, both in terms of the number of teams and equally the number of games in each, in each round, uh, you're going to have to take some time away from the regular season, perhaps, to make that happen, you know, slice into that to, to give you that time. Are you against that? You know, I don't know, you end up with a 140 games instead? I, I don't think I would be – look, I like 162. I, mm-hmm. There's people that kvetch and complain all day about, oh, the baseball season's too long. If you're a baseball fan, baseball is fine. Um, if you're not a baseball fan, oh, it's too long and this and that, like, okay, well, you're not a fan. So – what are we going to do? We're going to please the people who aren't fans of baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I like 162, but as you say, if if part of keeping the expanded postseason is rolling it back a little bit, if you roll it back to 140, 150, like I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think anything less than like 140 just takes takes too much away from the game. And I don't think you you have to roll it back all that much i mean maybe a 10 game difference uh, maybe 150 so you've got 75 at home 75 on the road thank gosh my math is uh on track go. today yeah. <laughs> um but but yeah i mean i i'm oh i'm okay with that six look this was a stupid baseball season mm-hmm. i mean 60 games come on like it's just it was a stupid season but 
best team won them. So, right, right. Um, but we were so excited about having baseball back uh, after not having sports. At, at that point, it's like, okay, we know this is a ridiculous season, but we're, we're going to watch it. No matter how ridiculous it is, we're, we're going to love that baseball is back. And we're going to watch like as many games as possible. And that's exactly what I did. It's not like I love this season, all oh, 60 games, but I watched it all. I was very involved. And I think all baseball people were. Uh, I didn't miss a pitch. You know, I, I've never, you know, went 162 in the UK is almost impossible to do um, because of the time zone. But, you know, this year I made sure I saw every pitch without any spoilers. So I was recording games and watching them in the morning, but, you know, phone completely shut off, making sure, oh, man. That, you know, I didn't miss anything and didn't spoil it. Cause baseball, when you know the result, you know, it isn't the same when you watch it back. Right. You know, if it's a regular season game against, I don't know, the Orioles, you, you need to be watching that knowing someone's on the line for me anyway. So yeah, it was That's tough. That's tough to, to stay away from your phone and your Twitter feed. And I don't know how you do it, man. I mean, sometimes I, I have to do it for maybe like 30 minutes, but usually not with sports, but like a TV show. And then I'm just like running home or running to my computer DVR. And I'm like, I got to watch this ASAP because I need to get back on Twitter. Well, this uh, is it. So. I mean, you know, you know, hey, listen, you, you, people need you. They're, they're looking for the slate of scoops all the time. So, you know, Twitter. So am I. You know, <laughs> exactly. Um, listen, there's one final topic. You mentioned the sure. well, too briefly, the, expand, the, the, the rules that came in. You mentioned you like the expanded playoffs. If you can keep one other one of those rules, what would you like to keep? I think the easiest thing is the DH. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a strategic guy. Um, you know, I used to play the baseball video games when I was a young, young, man, even though I still feel young. But I used to play the baseball video games against friends, and I would just love the strategies and the double switches and laying down a bunt where the pitcher comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I got to tell you, there, there wasn't one point this season, Peter, where I was like, gosh, you know, I'm going to see Sandy Alcantara hit. <laughs> like, I just uh, – there was there was nothing that I missed. Um, so you, you get a better bat in there consistently – I think it was good for the game. I know it's been talked about forever. We've had it in the American League. Like, why not have it in the National League? So it's an it's a very very easy answer for me uh, that I, I would keep the DH in there, and I think that's the route that Major League Baseball is most likely going to go. Everything else, though, sixty game season, no uh, runners starting on second base in extra innings, no seven inning double headers. I feel like I'm being cheated. I feel like I'm eating a steak at a great steakhouse and I'm like uh, three quarters of the way done and they take away my steak on the plate. Um, I don't get to finish it. Uh, I'm gone with that. The, um, the three batter minimum for pitchers, eh, like whatever, you know, if it stays okay, if not, like whatever, not that, that big of a deal to me. I think that's more about speeding up uh, the game. Um, and I don't remember any other change. Oh, the, the shifts, you know, it wasn't a change for this season, but if they got rid of shifts, I'd be fine with that. Uh, Like I'm just, just, just play the regular game of baseball, you know, analytics are, are fine. I'm not against analytics, but you go back to game six of the world series and analytics lost that game in Mm -hmm. my mind for, for the Rays. 
because you don't want to go through a lineup three times. Sometimes you got to use your eyes. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just like, I'm not saying throw away analytics because look, the Rays were in the World Series and and they live by analytics and they die by analytics. Analytics are fine, but at the same time, you got to use your, your head a little bit. And I, I'm a baseball guy. I've always been a baseball guy and to see like four guys on the right side of the field and like, I'm just, just play the game. You know, maybe I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, but apparently there is a discussion about getting rid of shifts. So I'm not the only one here with, with this uh, thought. Um, yeah. I, I just, I want to see the second baseman where he should be the shortstop where he should be the third baseman where he should be. And um, yeah, I just, I'm okay with, with getting rid of shifts. Yeah. Well, listen, one final and it kind of, it's a bit of a segue because I guess you're talking about the Rays analytics. Listen, the Rays versus the Dodgers in the World Series. Rays, low budget. Dodgers, huge budget. We know where the Marlins are going to sit in that scale uh, as we go forward. In many ways, the Rays become you know, a bit of a blueprint for the Marlins. But the, the one area I just wanted to finish up on was more on the financial side, looking ahead. You know, budget-wise, um, well... I think I've seen reported this week that MLB put out there that they think they lost about $3 billion in 2020. Uh, I may be incorrect, but I, I feel like I saw that. Um, no, that was my company. Oh, really? <laughs> no, 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 I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was your, uh, your horse bet for the year. I don't know. Close. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's not sustainable, that, that level of, of loss. And you know, heading into 2021, the winter, you know, how we see the market changing, if it does, but, you know, early signs are a couple of guys have been, you know, the options haven't been picked up on their deals. Rio Muto's out there, one of the top free agents, let's say. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out this, this winter, like what the market really looks like for a guy like a JT Rio Muto that, you know, best of his position, is he going to get paid? I don't know. Well, look, if if George Steinbrenner were still alive, JT Romito would be a New York Yankee the minute that you could sign. Yeah. Be, he, would, he would just pay him the money. I mean, the Yankees situation, the, you know, Gary Sanchez at, at first was like, great, this guy's unbelievable. And then I don't know what in the world happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, if, if you still had George Steinbrenner alive, he would just throw whatever it took at JT Romito and, and take him. I think the main thing with the market, and, and we've seen it over the past couple of years, even that one year, you, I get lost in years now, man. I mean, th- this year seems like it's been 10 years. So um, there was the offseason with uh, Bryce Harper, um, and it, it's it's not catching my mind right now. There was, was it? Uh, Manny Machado, right. Yeah. So uh, Harper and Machado, and nobody was signing them. There was like this whole holdout, and we all know what was up. The owners were basically be like, Hey, we're not going to pay all this money. The the key thing here is, and I don't know if there will be a market correction at some point, but I always look back and I think of the St. Louis Cardinals because, and this is also the same thing with the new England Patriots in football. You have to pay a player for what their value is going to be to your team moving forward rather than what they have done in the past. And the reason I say the St. Louis Cardinals is with Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols was unbelievable for the St. Louis Cardinals. And they let him walk. 
you know, they, they didn't sign him. He, he goes to the Angels, and it's not the same. I mean, they gave him a, an unbelievable deal with like ownership <laughs> and all sorts of stuff. Um, and it wasn't the same Albert Pujol. So in that situation, you look at the Cardinals saying, look, you, you did unbelievable for us, but we can't give you 10 years at 30 million a year where in year five through 10, like we're just, you're not going to be that same player. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a correction when, when it comes down to that. I don't know when or if that correction will ever happen. Um, maybe you, I mean, look, you look at other sports and their salary caps, uh, players obviously wouldn't want a, a salary cap. Um, teams uh, would be, I mean, the Marlins would be cool with, with a salary cap. Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know when that market correction will be if it doesn't come. And you would have to figure it's, it's got to, because where are we going with this, Peter? We're, we're going to have $55 million a season for players soon. And like, when are you ever, when are you ever going to get that value? And you got to take a look. The, the years, to me, they don't matter. It's the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think a player is worth uh, $40 million, uh, for the next you know, five years and you sign them to a, a 10-year, $200 million deal, you know, the money is equaling the same. So it's not really about the years. It's about the money in total. But when you when you take what you're equal to, you know, 40 million a year, which is bizarre, um, and then you stretch it out 10 years and actually do that average of 40 a year, and you're paying 400 million, you're just never you're never going to get your your money's worth. So it's interesting to watch, and and I think we saw part of that play out a couple of years ago, uh, whenever it was. Like I said, everything seems like forever ago yeah. uh, with Bryce Harper and and Manny Machado, and um, in the end, you know, they they wound up getting paid it's just that that constant fight and without a salary cap we're probably going to see that for for some time to come yeah well listen jt riamuto is available way in chen is off the books freeze up potentially <laughs> the money let's finish you know off. look the marlin signed you know Marte um to to that uh, one year extension for right now and I believe that was like 12 million, I, I think it was. So, you know, that that's a lot for them, but you you need someone like that. Um, and, and you mentioned the Rays and their payroll, and it was a perfect contrast there in the World Series where you have the low payroll team and then the team that just doesn't care and they just throw all the money they, they want. And hey, look, it, it works both ways, right? I mean, you can make it to the World Series paying a lot of money or you can make it to the World Series not paying a lot of money. And that, that's what it comes down to not all analytics, but it comes down to just getting those right prospects and having that young team and, and having them uh, produce. And for the Rays, it it worked. I mean, they came up a little short, but only one team can win the World Series. So uh, just getting there is is great in itself. I, I think if the Marlins got to the World Series, fans would be thrilled. Oh. You know, you always want to win it, but uh, just to get there is so tough. Absolutely. Andy, I think we're just about out of time. I know, I mean, it's a weekday. So what that means is you've got another show coming up on the air very, very soon. So I'm going to have to let you go. Um, Firstly, thanks so much. Where can everyone get you on Twitter? Where can they get those Slater scoops on Twitter if they need them or Instagram or or anywhere else? 
Yeah, sure. So my Twitter feed, Peter, is at Andy Slater. That's at Andy Slater. And I really use Twitter uh, for information purposes to put news out there, uh, unique news and what I call a Slater scoop. Um, so you get great information on my Twitter feed. I don't tweet things that, you know, uh, 10,000 other people are tweeting the same thing. Uh, you really get unique information. And then as far as my Instagram goes, uh, I use that as, as my lifestyle. Um, and there's a lot of people that can't get out and, and travel or don't want to right now. And I understand that, uh, but whatever your situation is or going out to a meal and um, some people have significant others and, uh, you know, they're kind of trapped at home, even pre-pandemic uh, with, with significant others. So on my Instagram, you just search Andy Slater. I post a lot of food pics, travel pics, uh, just kind of lifestyle uh, pics. So uh, there's a difference between my Twitter and my uh, Instagram. But yeah, if you just search Andy Slater, uh, you'll see uh, on IG the food pics and the travel and you'll get the information on Twitter. And then I'm on Monday through Friday from three to five on Fox Sports 640 South Florida. Um, so uh, there, there's a lot of ways to catch me, man. Um, I, I just, I, I love being in the business. I, I love following sports and I love bringing information to as many people as I possibly can information that they want. Absolutely. Well, from my perspective, you do it very, very well. And it's been awesome. Thank you. Having thank you, you very play. much. You're right no, it's my play. pleasure. My pleasure to come on, man. I thank you for the invite way overdue and promise me you'll you'll come back we'll find a time in the coming months once you know baseball probably gets back around hopefully i mean god knows what 2021 <laughs> looks like but um you know uh, promise me you'll come back once um once we get nearer to that point right yeah who knows what next week will look like too <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, let alone 2021 but yeah anytime man i'm i'm here you know where to find me and uh i hope your audience enjoyed you're the man. Well, listen, it's two a time as well. So enjoy that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. It is. It's very exciting. Miami sports right now are exciting. There's not that many times we get to say that, but uh, we got to take advantage of it because uh, it doesn't come around all that often. Hopefully it'll stick around with all of our teams. Absolutely. Great. Well, listen, that's episode 76 in the books. Andy Slater, thank you so much. To the listeners, we'll be back next week with another special guest. Uh, keep those eyes peeled for that. But uh, in the meantime, stay safe and speak soon. Thanks, guys.